0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again today for another conversation. Actually, I think a relatively fresh and new conversation for all of you out there today to help us bring that to bear. I've got my friend Morgan Taylor here with me. Morgan, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: And we actually had a bit of an unusual opportunity to connect the first time (laughs) in person back in October. Maybe you can share a little bit with our listeners about that.
1: Yeah, so a mutual friend, Sean, with Kiss Books, he uh, invited us out to a trip in Yosemite. <laughs> so that was when I got to meet you out there. It was uh, my first time in Yosemite. I know that he's done this trip a couple times. But yeah, that was when I got to meet you out there, and it was, it was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, it's something that, that Sean Austin, who we've had on the podcast multiple times in the past, he and his brother started this, this tradition of making an annual trip to Yosemite, and I, yeah, I felt very, very privileged to be invited along. And it was a group of, I don't know, maybe eight or ten of us or so. Yeah, a bunch of guys just kind of glamping in Yosemite. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I mentioned this the other day on the podcast, but. I'm, I didn't grow up with a lot of close relationships with, with guys. It just it, For whatever you know, psychological reasons, we can dig into that another time. Yeah. That just wasn't the norm for me. I just wasn't your typical guy's guy. I played sports and whatnot, but I just didn't have close male friendships for the most part, especially as I got into my teen years and so forth. And so this was really my first opportunity to kind of explore that realm a little bit like go really hang out with guys get dirty stinky going go hiking you know <laughs> for miles on end and and but ultimately just really share the camaraderie that comes from uh, well certainly shared interests and in, in many cases or m- many of the, sure. the people that were there photographers like yourself and so we could share in that but it was just a really Cool experience overall. Absolutely stunning. For those of you listening in, if you've never been to Yosemite before, this was not my first time, but it was certainly my first time as an adult. And and I was just blown away. I was like a kid in a candy shop, just looking, just soaking in the scenery all around me. And um, I think I think Morgan, you were part of when we went hiking one day. I think 17, yeah. 18 miles, something like that, up to Half Dome, and you were part of a group that was kind of lagging behind, but largely because you guys were so excited about taking pictures of everything along the way, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was actually a, a rough one for me. I love hiking. You know, I grew up going outdoors and doing all this fun stuff. But when I was younger, I actually suffered from asthma and now it just comes up every now and again. And for some reason on that hike, maybe got like a quarter of the way up, maybe not even that, and I just couldn't breathe. I was wheezing. I was struggling. And oh, that's right. A couple of the yeah. guys lagging behind. We were all taking pictures and doing all, doing all this stuff. And I ended up turning back. So that, I didn't make right. the half dome hike. Oh, I didn't mean to highlight that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I no, totally no, forgot about. I
0: totally <laughs> forgot about that piece of it. Yeah, I was just thinking you were part of that group with uh, with Mike Colon, who we also just recently had in the podcast. And yeah, and that
1: Stewart and Daniel and yeah, a bunch Brandon of them. And, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. Man, asthma can be such a beast. I my my brother. Oh, I have three man. younger brothers, and and my brother Jason grew up with asthma. I mean, and and it was so serious that we actually ended up spending about six weeks in Denver one summer where he was at a, a really. Special treatment center they were they were running all kinds of tests and trying to get to the bottom of it all because it, oh, it wow. just had such a significant effect on on his life and of course it, that trickles down to to family life as well, but yeah, yeah I, I absolutely empathize with you, and that can be tough and, and it sucks to kind of miss out on on opportunities to be able to, to do things like hiking, maybe especially the longer distances like that. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was, it was incredible. I mean, even the views from our campsite, I mean, you'd step, basically step outside where we were um, staying for the night and walk down to the river and you look up and you'd see these massive, massive mountains, uh, pretty yeah. much anywhere you take a picture, it looked like, like a postcard. <laughs> so that was, that was an incredible experience.
1: When you walked in that, in the spot where we were, the river was 25 feet away. Yeah. You walk down to the river, and you can actually see Half Dome to the right. Yep. And if you walk out a little bit more, you can see uh, El Capitan, I believe. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So El
1: Cap is right there, and is is the perfect spot. It was so great.
0: Incredible, incredible. Yeah, I can't wait to go back again. I, I think it's going to be in it. A- um, an amazing experience, not only to be able to potentially share with with you guys, but others as well. I know even my kids have have never been, and to be able to take them out there would be really great. But oh, nonetheless, really cool opportunity to get to connect with you there in person. And yeah, I, as I mentioned, you're a photographer, and and so we're just going to kind of dive into to conversation as normal here at the Boca Podcast with what lately we've been talking about something called a technique for time or tool for time. And I'm yeah. curious, is, is there a particular maybe a workflow? tip or or trick that you utilize, maybe a particular tool that you utilize to create more freedom or space in your life as a business owner?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, get married and let your wife plan things for you. (laughs) (laughs) But on a, on another note there, one thing I've learned is you got to manage your time. Like you manage your finances. If you spend money, you don't have, you're going to be in debt. If you spend time, you don't have, you're going to be in debt. So being a budgeting your time, blocking certain things out so that you can, you know, setting a time for edits, setting a time for a photo shoot, setting a time for your family, setting a time for you to just go play Scrabble at a coffee shop, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. And and it's interesting because, uh, well, first of all, but my almost immediate thought was hopefully many of you aren't budgeting the time the way a lot of photographers, I think, are budgeting their finances, unfortunately. It's not always our, our strongest suit. And, and I speak from personal experience. It was certainly a weakness of mine yeah. as a photographer. But I guess the correlation between finances and time is that we're talking about something that we can't get back of, right? We have, it's a limited resource. And once we spend it, it's right. gone. And unlike money, we, we, can't, we certainly can't get it back. <laughs> um, there, there are opportunities potentially to get some of that back when it comes to finances. But yeah, once we spend that time, it's gone. So how are we allocating that time to the various aspects of our personal life, to our business life, that, that idea of actually budgeting it? I don't think we've, we've I, I've heard any of our guests refer to it in that way. And I, I like that thought process.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a helpful tool along the same lines of that, being flexible when things change, you know, and, and knowing how to manage that as well. Um, I mean, there's been times where you'll set up a meeting with a photographer and then, or with a client and yeah, I've gotten to the coffee shop and Hey, we're two hours late. <laughs> All right. Well then I'll, what I'll do in that case is I usually have my laptop with me and I'll pull it out and edit some photos <laughs> while yeah. I wait for him. And then free up time later, am I editing or something like that? Or just go back to Yosemite. Um, when I came down from the mountain, I spent some time with myself, had a couple hours that I pulled out my laptop and finished up a wedding. Yeah. I think, know,
0: and and I, I think really a lot of that comes back to, and this is probably a topic that uh, we could stand to do another episode or two, at least on um, the, yeah. the the idea. First of all, when it comes to managing time effectively of kind of having a, an overall, something we talk about a lot here on the podcast, a big picture view, kind of overarching goals, you know what yeah. you're reaching toward because that will then drive the business model that you create. And then subsequently it will drive how you spend, your day, your hours. Um, as long as you're, as you're actually thinking that way as a business owner. And the cool thing about that is, is exactly what you just described, which is that if you know what you're reaching toward, then you know how you should spend your time, and and that should drive maybe your your to do list, your task and project management lists. And if mm-hmm. you do have free time, you can just jump to that. You know, and and yeah. I, I like that very proactive mentality because it's easy, and, and I've certainly been guilty of it. It's easy to get frustrated in the moment <laughs> when somebody shows up late to a meeting, or you know, there's a There's a delay, even even like driving in traffic. I I don't live very far from Atlanta, and I get so frustrated at at times when I'm down in Atlanta with how much... Uh, time, I guess I, I get stuck in traffic and the car's moving slowly. And I'm, I'm just the notion that I'm kind of forced to sit in this in this time suck of a situation. Yeah. So frustrating. But even in that scenario, I can be proactive and take advantage of the time to listen to a, a business book or a podcast or right. something that that could help me personally. There's always opportunities if we're thinking proactively to take advantage of time and, and let that benefit us on multiple levels. And so I like that I like that mentality, but this is good. I'm I'm glad that we're starting here. The notion of budgeting time, for those of you listening in, if you're not doing that, then again, I would encourage you, first of all, to be very clear about what you're even trying to accomplish, accomplish with your personal life, which translates to what you're doing with your business, which translates to the business model, which translates or should translate to how you're spending your time on a daily basis. If you're clear about that then it won't be difficult to, first of all, budget your time. And if you see open spots of time to take advantage of that, either for the sake of your personal life, your personal relationships, or for your business. So, wow, I, I think we could almost just, we could stop the podcast episode there and, and our <laughs> listeners could walk away with something really valuable. But that's that's really, really good. Speaking of free time, how do you like to spend it besides going to Yosemite? Uh,
1: well, so besides going to Yosemite, I, I love being outdoors and camping and tree climbing. I love the gear side of that. I
0: was blown away it's... by the the amount of gear or kind of the obsession with gear. And I think this is, I mean, this is very commonplace for photographers. Anyway, we get excited about all the gear, right? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it was really funny actually to to listen to and watch these conversations around camping gear during this trip to Yosemite. And some of the stuff that you guys pulled out was pretty incredible. I mean, even even a, a, a hammock, like these fancy hammocks that yeah. become tents. <laughs> I, did, I don't know that I'd ever seen anything like that before.
1: Well, it's funny'cause we had we had cots, <laughs> but we all hung up our hammocks instead. <laughs> it was like a spider web of, of hammocks it was
0: yeah it was it was really quite interesting <laughs> I, I was very yeah. simple I had a simple sleeping bag on the cot um as I said, we were kind of <laughs> glamping but but yeah some of the some of the gear was was a lot of fun but you, you said you like to get outdoors um is that something that your wife shares with you as well?
1: No, not in the slightest okay, <laughs> which is fine. It's just not who she is as far as as far as camping.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a significance to, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but the significance to individuality in relationships, it's actually really healthy for relationships. So you've, you've got certain outlets maybe that you enjoy, maybe she has the same thing. And um, so that that's, that's cool. So you said you'd like to get outdoors. How else do you like to spend time?
1: Yeah. So I love being with my wife and doing things with my wife. One thing we'll do is actually, I live up here in the great Pacific Northwest in Washington. And I live right by Lake Washington and we have, what's called a uh, log boom park is right there. And there's this like bike path, walking path. So my wife and I will get our longboards and we'll just go skate down the path and stop off at a Starbucks or a brewery and grab a beer and skate back. And one of the, the those things are, just so fun um, yeah. so i guess that's some outdoor stuff that she likes doing
0: <laughs> yeah but you know um, and, I, and i love the the simple the simple activities that let you enjoy like you said the outdoors the scenery i mean that, that area is just stunning visually but then it gives yeah. opportunity for for just doing something together and potentially conversation yeah i love that
1: yeah and in times where maybe we don't have bad weather it's really hot We'll. Like, we'll just go to a coffee shop and bring Scrabble and play Scrabble or something like that.
0: Yep. I've found that, that games are a really great point of conversation for me and my kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, even just sitting down and playing a game of poker can be so much fun. And of course, innate to that experience then is is the conversation that ensues. Uh, maybe even a little bit of trash talking as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both my wife and I are pretty sarcastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sarcasm is so much fun, especially when used right. What's something that most people don't know about you? Just kind of a random fact. I mean, I, I like for our listeners to get to know our guests. So so surprise us with something random.
1: Yeah. My mom was an artist and I grew up painting. Really? Um, and I've done a couple commission things. I have something coming up here pretty soon, actually, where I will be uh, painting on a big piece of wood with wood stain so something i started doing a few years ago and it's been really cool (laughs) painting with wood stain is wildly different than acrylic or oil or anything like that
0: yeah i can imagine
1: but it's pretty cool it's it's a lot of fun but yeah i I grew up painting and that's what i did before photography actually too it's just painting and sketching and all sorts of different things like that it's it's a lot of fun so yeah I, i grew up a painter
0: so is this something I mean you mentioned this this commission that you have coming up but um this is something that you practice actively on the side is it just another kind of uh, escape it has kind of a negative connotation but just an outlet for you to to express your artistic side that that you that you do on a regular basis
1: Yeah so it's it's more more of an outlet that I do uh, pseudo regular basis Okay <laughs> yeah when 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 uh, my free time isn't taken up with camping and skateboarding and scrabble <laughs> I Fair try enough. to you know, get out and plan some stuff and sketch it out and then get to painting it, some stuff like that. So
0: that's really cool. And I'm sure it lends an interesting perspective to being a photographer. And and speaking of which, I'm curious how you got started as a photographer and and talk to us a little bit about how long you've been in business as well.
1: Yeah. So I've been in business since 2007 was my first wedding and I became a photographer in 2006. Okay, Um, I used to Manage a skateboard shop called Pharmacy Board Shop in Victorville, California, and I was skateboarding with a friend who worked there. And he handed me his camera. His name's Corey. He handed me his camera, and he's like, "Hey, take some pictures of me." And I took some pictures of him. And he's like, "This is really good. You should do this." So at the time, I didn't have a ton of money, and the owner of Pharmacy actually financed my first camera. It was the really Canon. Yeah, it was a Canon 30D. Okay. With a 50 millimeter 1.8 plastic lens. Yes. <laughs> And I started taking pictures and he actually, the owner, Donnie is his name, was getting married and they had hired a photographer and he said, hey, you should take pictures at my wedding too. You know, why not? And uh, so I did. And it turned out that they didn't actually get um, many photos from the photographer. The photos weren't very good and they ended up liking my photos more. And so I was like, hey, you know, this was fun. I think I did a pretty good job maybe I can make some money doing this. And so I started shooting weddings.
0: Wow. Okay. So how long did it take you to go full time then?
1: I've I'm actually not full time.
0: Okay. So yeah, tell- I've
1: been able to budget and do maybe about six to 10 weddings a year. Um, and I kind of a nice comfortable spot there. And I've been playing with the idea of going full time and doing that. But I've since I would say 2008, I've been pretty consistent like at least, you know, building up, um, a few things here and there. Okay, cool. So
0: that, that, that begs the question, of course, what do you do? Do you have an additional job, something else that you're working full-time or part-time?
1: Yeah. So I've, I've done a few things here and there anywhere from, uh, you know, doing the managing the skateboard shop to being a hemodialysis technician to doing some home maintenance stuff. And currently I'm working with this company called Evermark and they do like some promotional items for businesses and companies and they do signage for apartments and stuff. So I, I uh, am a project manager with them, helping out some of the sales team and making sure stuff gets done.
0: Wow. That's okay. So you have these other jobs and and I love the the wide variety of them too. It sounds like you're a curious individual to say the least, but how do you manage to, I mean, we were talking about the idea of time. How do you manage to kind of balance working Another job with also trying to run a photography business. I mean, is it a matter just of budgeting that time, like you described earlier?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it is, and it's it works out well. You know, I mean, the people who I work for for these companies, they know that I'm a wedding photographer, and and it's kind of part of the agreement. And like, hey, I'm going to have to take certain days off to shoot these weddings. Obviously, you know, you'll be in the loop, and I'll let you know, but. It's, you know, typically it's on weekends and sometimes I'll do some editing on my lunch breaks or in the evenings, I'll have a couple days planned out where I'll do some editing. Um, Or if I get, you know, too busy and get a lot of weddings is something I've been considering is photographer's edit and wanting to explore that a little bit to help lighten some of the load. But typically I've been editing myself and budgeting that time.
0: Yeah, I you know, I'm not a great multitasker and I'm continually reminded of this and, and uh in fact when I first started um when I got when, when I was in college, actually, I'm going way back when I was in college, um, I got married after my junior year and then I was mm-hmm. working full time and just having gotten married and then going to school full time as well. And I just, I had to realize like, I just can't do effectively do all of these things at <laughs> once. I mean, it was only 22 or 20, but, but I just, I have not, that's just not been a strength of mine. And, uh, so kudos to you for, again, just being proactive in the way that you've been able to manage your time and, and maintain a business in addition to working other jobs. It, it says a, a lot about the effectiveness of that very idea of budgeting your time. But take us back to the photography business. What is, yeah. what is your business's brand position? How do you differentiate yourself from other photographers there in the, the Washington market?
1: Yeah. So I think from the start, um, you know, when you start out, you want to try to do everything everyone is doing. But I feel I quickly learned that fads are a very real thing in photography and you have filters and you have, you know, this trend and this trend. And while that is great and people love that stuff, that wasn't really, you know, who I wanted to be. And I, I came across this phrase and I can't for the life of me remember who said it. But he said that photographers are the work, workhorses of history. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense. The, the silent workhorses of history, rather. It makes a lot of sense because what we do, we, you know, take a photo and we capture a memory to last. And I kind of took the concept of, of that lasting memory and decided I want to shoot as natural as I can, as real as I can, as, as timeless as I can. So that my photo will look great now and then 30 years down the road, it's still going to be something you want hung up in your house. You know, it's still going to be that picture in your album you want to look at.
0: Yeah, and not um, with not with the weird filter that happened to be popular for a year.
1: <laughs> right, right. So I kind of just decided uh, that's 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 going to be my mantra, my timeless, you know what I'm, what I'm going to shoot towards. It's going to be timeless.
0: And do you find that, that you miss out at all? I mean, when you're looking at the industry, the conversations that are happening within the industry, but then ultimately, of course, I mean, having a conversation with our our photographer peers uh, about Mm -hmm. what is popular right now is a, it's a whole different thing than actually understanding what our clients want and are going to be happy with. Have you found, I mean, is there any sense that you're missing out as a result of not following these trends or fads uh, when it comes to actually building and, and even maintaining your photography business?
1: No, no, not necessarily. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, some of them I just don't like. I just don't like the look of them. I, I understand that other people like it and, and that's great. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Personal preference. I, I wouldn't want to hang it on my wall, you know? Yeah. And I kind of, that kind of helps me feel like I'm not missing out or anything but there are some stuff that you know does look good like right now people are kind of wanting to do a little more of a film kind of look but kind of bring it to the extreme but like i'll take elements of that and incorporate them and allow those elements to kind of be timeless you know and it's so so there's a lot of learning that can happen with them and and i'll explore them i'll edit photos like i'll pull out a fad and just see if i can do it
0: yeah because you learn, yeah, you you do learn, and I think that's that open mindedness is is truly important. But I wonder too how much of these fads are driven just by sheer boredom. <laughs> you know like because <laughs> yeah. we have a tendency and and I'm again I'm I can speak from experience like we, we do something even for a week and you're like oh I'm bored with this let's let's try something else just to, to spice things up, mix things up a little bit. Like I wonder how many of these fads actually come from boredom because of course the reality is that most clients don't really care about all these nuanced differences in processing and and these Lightroom presets that we all get excited about. Uh, at the end of the day, they just want a decent picture, a positive experience, you know, a, a finished product that they can look back on and maybe relive those memories. It's pretty simple. And and we, we as photographers kind of complicate that process. And unfortunately, to the detriment yeah. of, of, you know, having a life ultimately uh, many right. times. But I, I I think keeping an open mind and at least being open to new ideas. I mean, it's certainly, I can't, in fact, I can't emphasize the importance of that enough. It's so, so important, especially as a business owner, because you can get left behind when it comes to things that actually do translate to whether or not you're able to grow your business. So, uh, open mind, always, always important. How do you communicate that idea of being timeless though, to your clients or to your potential clients?
1: Yeah. So I think a big part of that is, you know, people will see my photos and just, like them and be, be drawn to them and know that they like them they may not know exactly why but they know that there's something in, in them that they like so for instance i actually just uh got a contract signed with a, a client coming up here in september i believe she was going through uh, her and her fiance were going through a few different photographers one they kind of like the person and his personality but they didn't like his photos another they Kind of liked his photos, weren't sold on him, but the guy was kind of a jerk. And then they found me on social media through an ad I did um, and loved my photos. Like, I just love this kind of simple, timeless look. And I got to talking to her about him. They wanted to meet me and we actually just talked about life and, you know, this very different <laughs> meeting that I've had. Um, is very personal and which is great. I think relationship is important when you're taking photos. But one thing they said is we just, we love your photos and they can't pinpoint it. And what I told them was like, well, it's because I'm not in your photos. I'm taking the picture, but you aren't, when you look at it, you're not looking at it. Like there's a photographer there. You're not looking at it. Like there's someone with a camera taking a picture. You're mm. looking at it. Like you're, you're just there. You, yeah. you just are in that moment. And I am absent of that moment, Hmm. which is something I strive to do because, I mean, if you want to look at a picture for a piece of art that you're going to hang on your wall or the photographer is very present, there is a time and a place for that, sure. But when I'm photographing someone's wedding, when I'm taking pictures of them and their wedding, they want to preserve that memory as how it was. They don't want to preserve the memory with, you know, hey, it was me. My husband and the photographer, because we clearly—it's it's just there's a difference, you know. There is a um, difference,
0: and you know it's an, an interesting conversation that that also warrants probably at least another podcast episode. But <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> photographers have become very self-important in the way that they that they handle particularly shooting weddings in the last number of years. What they expect from the client versus versus going into it, trying to figure out any and every possible way that they can focus on serving that client and mm-hmm. simultaneously being that very thing that you just described, which is the almost the fly on the wall, right? That, that you are yeah. that silent photographer in the background capturing the moments rather than trying to establish some kind of presence and, and make sure yeah. that, that the client is serving you. I, I just, I've been confused by that. That mentality, that thought process—we're ultimately hired to do a job, and and hopefully much of that job consists or, or is centered around uh, the idea of silently capturing the moments for the sake of these these subjects who then will ideally be able to share in those memories for years and years to come and that should be the primary focus it's not about the photographer yeah. it's about the client so I, I love that that mentality and that approach what, what's the
1: with, really quick with that something i want to point out is with with the fly in the wall mentality i'm i feel like i think that's very important but i kind of take a little different approach with that instead of you know a fly in the wall i yeah. kind of am, am camouflaged okay <laughs> um because I think it's, for me at least, important to be there and be present and be involved, but still not be just the photographer that stands out. And a lot of this comes in just developing relationship, whether it's a quick relationship or something that's longer. But I've had several times people tell me, it "Was like, if you weren't taking our pictures, we just want to invite you to the wedding. <laughs> and I think it's important to kind of, if, for me at least, to be that kind of person that is, you know, not just the guy in the background taking pictures, but I'm a part of the wedding. I would just be there like they love having me there just because it's it's fun and it's good to be there. So you kind of put on a camouflage with that, you know, you're one of the guests, but sure. you're also taking the photos.
0: Well, and, and to be clear, I have to make sure that I'm not miss or coming across the wrong way to anyone listening. That, that There is certainly a balance, as you kind of alluded to, between being the being that silent photographer who is camouflage in the background and then also understanding yeah. that the relationship that you have with these clients is important the way that you interact not yeah. only with the clients but also with the guests is extremely important i'm i'm thinking i'm i'm thinking a little bit more about the conversation that seems to be a really popular one at least it was there for for some time about uh, the types of meals that photographers were being being served as, oh. as though as though they deserved, you know, some, I mean, I, I, it's funny, my, my son actually, who's who's 16 uh, just went in for a, a second job interview with a local, say a fast food restaurant of sorts. Yeah. And it was actually got, was offered a job today. And uh, oh, so wow. of course I'm, I'm really excited about him, but I imagine if like you were to go to your first employer or most any employer for that matter and get upset with them for not providing a steak dinner every time you went <laughs> yeah. in, into work it's yeah. just it, it's just a kind of a confusing mentality to me you know when when we're there to we're paid to be there to be a photographer. That should be the focus and how we can best yeah. serve that client should be the focus. And there's no question. We, we all need nutrition, but these <laughs> expectations that, that we deserve or have certain rights uh, and I'll put those in that, that word in quotes. Uh, I think is just a little bit, I don't know. I think the priorities aren't quite right. And, and uh, I think the focus right. on making sure that we're there to serve the client, to to be camouflaged, as you say, when necessary, to be a, an incredible person, uh, more focused on on uh, a good relationship, uh, yeah. focused on the friendship aspect of, of that interaction, being kind and helpful, um, again, not only to the, to the clients, but also to the guests, can make such a big impact on how these people experience you as a photographer. Because as we've talked yeah. about in the podcast before, you know, I, the number of times for myself as a photographer that people came up to me, not having seen one image, but were lauding me for being an incredible photographer, yeah. is just a fascinating study to me. And uh, ultimately, <laughs> that speaks so loudly to the significance of the experience that we provide to our clients. That should be the focus, not the other stuff. And um, I, I think that you, you seem to have your your priorities in the right place here. And I'm sure that translates Thanks. to the, the experience that the clients have. As a this is a question that, that I ask um, quite a bit on the podcast, but I'm curious what the toughest lesson has been uh, been for you as a photography business owner so far what comes to mind
1: yeah that that was a that was a tough one because I haven't had too many tough lessons because I've tried to be very flexible. That's interesting. but recently something just totally out of my hands came up and and it, I let it get to me and I'll let you in on the story here a little bit. I I recently shot a wedding last year. I shot a wedding and they booked me a month before their wedding. I did their engagement shoot a week before their wedding. And we had a great connection a great relationship. I shot their wedding. They, that same thing. They were, they thought I did such a great job and they hadn't even seen the photos. You know, you take that like a badge of honor.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. And the parents did it too. And, Typically what I do is the night I shoot a wedding, either the night or the next morning, I'll select 30 photos or so. Sure. And I'll send out, do a quick edit, send out a sneak peek to them. So while they're on their honeymoon, they pull them up and it's just that much better for their honeymoon. And I did that. And then I delivered the photos and I was prepping their album to be delivered. And I got an email from them saying that they were very, very dissatisfied with my services. They were so unhappy. Hmm. And they were going to pursue legal action and they were going to write the better business bureau and they wanted a 50% refund (laughs) on, on all this. And I was, I had no idea why. And it turns out, you know, I have I have a drone, which I don't offer my services or anything like that. While we met outside of this, because we had such a good relationship, I said, Hey, you know, I have, you know, outside of the contract and everything, I said, Hey, I have a drone, you know. I'll bring it with with us, and if we get a second, maybe we could throw it up and get a couple cool shots or a little video clip or something. Like, yeah, totally. That'll be fun. So during the first look, I threw it up, got thirty seconds of footage, like literally. Is and it wasn't even the first look. I photographed the first look, then I had them rewalk it just to throw it up. Is a two minute, you know, uh, deal, and that was great. That was all the drone footage we got. And then after I delivered the photos. They were like, hey, what about that drone footage? I was like, yeah, I, I just finished the photos. I wanted to get that taken care of. So now we work in this. And it turned out that the you know card was corrupted. It was just a little sand disc card that comes with the drone. And it was corrupted. And the video didn't work. And so I tried to figure some stuff out. And they thought that that was good enough reason to say that I did a terrible job and everything else. Wow, despite
0: um, the fact that it wasn't in your contract.
1: Yeah. And I actually have a friend who's a lawyer and I talked to him and he was like, no, you're in perfect legal standing. And I talked to another friend who's a photographer, Mike, actually, who's a photographer. And he was like, no, this is really weird. And you know, it's not anything you promise. He's like, stuff like this happens. And regardless, I was shooting a wit- a wedding right after I- this happened. And the night before I was photographing the wedding, I got in my head and I was thinking like, man, I I'm, 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 feel like I'm not going to do a good job with this. And I was beating myself up about it. My wife and I were talking about it. And she was like, you did such a good job with that wedding. And they loved the photos. They ranted about it. They said that they were going to use me again in the past. And they looked forward to it. Their album looked amazing. It was really good. All this stuff was good. And then this random thing happens. It was totally out of my control. And I was beating myself up about it. And so I would say the the hardest thing, uh, lesson learned, is, is to not get in my head, to not beat myself up about things like this. You know, it's sometimes stuff happens and you got to pick yourself up and you got to persevere and push through it and not really let it affect you too hard because it is a business and in it, it, not just business, but in life stuff happens. We can choose to dwell on it or we can choose to overcome it.
0: So good. Yeah, so true. But I'm curious also too, for the benefit of all of our listeners, how, how were you able to then kind of resolve that particular situation with the client?
1: So as far as my contract goes, that's I'm perfectly in the clear and I'm fine in the clear. And as far as they go, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from them. Um, you know, I've sent them the album and talked to them about, you know, Hey, I, you know, I understand. I, I and initially I told them, I was like, even though I wasn't responsible necessarily for the drone video, it wasn't a part of my contract or anything. I told them I was like, Hey, let's let me, buy you some coffee and um let me just help you out i, w- I want to make this right i want you to be happy and i was actually going to give them a free album i just out of my cost i was just going to pay for an album for them. and they just haven't responded <laughs> so huh. i'm not worried about it sure legally or anything like that um, sure. i'm in the clear but i mean i'm, I'm still i still want to make it right for them you know but i'm not i'm not gonna give them a refund obviously
0: yeah it, it, it kind of reminds me of this conversation that that I had recently with Meredith Rinkars and her husband Jason on on the Boca Podcast. We were we were talking about how to have difficult conversations, and of course, this is something yeah. that happens as as photography business owners, whether it's <laughs> a relationship situation with a you know another photographer or maybe an employee or. A client, or whatever the case may be, but you run into situations like this that could mean some pretty difficult conversations. And the, the point that they made that was really interesting, or one of the points that was made that was really interesting, was the idea that, that photographers might ask themselves the question are you, when, when they're responding to the situation, or maybe even trying to post about it on social media, are you trying to fight? Like, are these words that you're about to type and send yeah. an email or say out loud, maybe even to somebody over the phone or in person or put out in social media, are are you trying to fight? Is that what you're meaning to do with yeah. these words? And if not, then what are you trying to do? And maybe it begs a little bit of modification or editing of of those things that you're about to say so that you're actually being productive, that you're accomplishing something productive in that conversation. I love the fact that you were very very proactive in trying to mend the relationship. You knew that you're in, you're in the the right as far as the legal side of things and you could have simply responded with, "Hey, you you can't you can 't do anything to me legally. I followed through my contract. <laughs> that that would likely yeah. have been fighting words at least from their perspective, but instead you came back proactively and, and offered an additional value to them and I think that that goes to show uh, how well it is a good example if nothing else for our listeners as to how they might be able to kind of minimize the potential problems that could come from a yeah. difficult relationship especially again you know whether it's a client or another photographer or whatever the case that, that it's it's important to look at the situation from as productive uh, a mentality as possible and approach the conversation the way that you end up handling it that way i think that's really really yeah. important
1: well and i think that goes back to you know the entitlement thing as a lot of photographers like you were talking about they expect this and, you know, you hired me, so I am entitled to dot, dot, dot. Um, and whenever you, I, I, for me, whenever I pursue something like this in, in conversation with people, I, I kind of mentally take a step back and say, am I edifying? Am I building someone up or am I breaking them down? And there's that those are the two routes that this can go. Yeah, It can be an edifying route or it can be breaking someone down. And, and I, I kind of approach it a little selflessly. Obviously, I am protected. And, you know, I do have rights in situations. And there are certain expectations. But when I, you know, bigger picture, it's, it's their wedding. I don't, regardless of if they were terrible people, which they weren't. And I, I think maybe something just happened. I, I don't know what yet. And I would love to know so I can... Just help make that better for them sure. so that they can have the best experience because I think that's what's important. And I think that speaks multitudes to value and characters that it's not about me. It's, it's, it's their wedding day and I don't want to be the guy that ruins it, <laughs> you know?
0: Well, and, and I think maybe there's an assumption innate to some of this so-called entitlement that, you know, if you yeah. don't stand up for yourself, that you're going to get screwed over, that your business is ultimately going to suffer. And, and I would I would venture, I mean, and and you're an example of this, but I would venture that this very proactive effort at making sure that the client has a positive experience Mm -hmm. actually pays off. Uh, Maybe not in the immediate situation. In some cases, it may feel like this person is hurting you or your business, but big picture, long-term, I would venture that that proactive mentality. uh, It it makes all the difference in the world, actually, for the sake of your business and your business's reputation. People ultimately are going to know who you are it's going to be reflected in the, right. the experience that you create uh, for clients, and um, that's really, really important to keep in mind. Now, we're going to totally switch gears here, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you a favorite piece of We were talking about gear earlier. What is a yeah. favorite piece of, of gear, camera body, a lens, a camera bag, an accessory of some kind? What is a favorite piece of gear that you just can't say enough about for our listeners?
1: All right. Well, I recently got the a7R 3 by Sony, uh-huh. and Wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. We just had, wow. had I mentioned we had Mike Clone on the podcast the other day and and yeah. uh, and actually by the time this uh, your our conversation comes out on the Boca podcast, Mike's will likely have aired and uh, he just he was ranting and raving uh, in the most positive way possible about <laughs> about the A7 and I think it was the R3. Yeah. He is a massive proponent. I did that have any <laughs> effect on your choice to to buy the camera?
1: Well, I'll just say this. Mike Clone had massive effects on my choice <laughs> I, I used to shoot so uh a cannon yeah and Mike let me use his a7r2 a while ago and I, I was like all right I'm selling all my Canon stuff <laughs> sold it all yeah And went a7r2 and then I just got the a7r3 and he was telling me he was like you got to get it it's it's so fast like the a7r2 was fast but you have to get the R3. It is stupid fast, and it really is. <laughs> so as far as bodies go, I have the a7R3 with a battery grip, and then uh, the 85 G Master, the 8514 G Master that Sony has is oh, it's just butter. It is so nice.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually getting ready to, to buy some, some equipment for myself. I'm, I'm relaunching, or not relaunching, but starting a new photography brand, um, in addition yeah, I heard about to some of the other things I'm doing, and w- w- it's when I think about, I'm, of course, I'm thinking about gear. What am I? What kind of lenses, in particular, <laughs> am I going to purchase? And and it makes me smile to even just hear you talk about this lens being butter because, um, it, stuff like that. I mean, when you, as it, powerful as the the phones are that we have right now, and the incredible pictures that we can get with them. Mm-hmm. A, a beautiful lens with a shallow depth of field is, is one of those things that just kind of naturally sets apart a, a decent f- photograph from a really great photograph. It's one of the many elements, but you can just yeah. tell the difference. It just makes all the difference in the world with with the way that an image can look. And <laughs> e- even with the, uh, I don't know, even what what would you call it? The fake fake depth of field control that we have now with, with yeah. the phones, there's, it's not quite the same. <laughs> the kind of bokeh that you can get. In fact, I I, sure. I think about my favorite camera that I own currently is a um, it's an old medium format film camera. And uh, the bokeh from this Yashica twin lens camera that that I can get in images is just it's this gorgeous, gorgeous circular oh, bokeh man. that I, I haven't really seen anywhere else. I mean, it's just absolutely stunning. But I, I totally know what you're talking about. And um we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> geek out about about gear. That is gonna be one of the things that I that I would go on and on about is, is a really yeah. great lens. It really does make all the difference in the world.
1: Well I think the thing with the Sony gear too is you can transfer lenses, bring like Sony or Canon lenses or Nikon lenses over with the Metabones adapter, and they'll perform as good as they would on those cameras. But but The performance of a Sony native lens, like the 85 G Master, yeah, being able to use the Eye autofocus with having that lens, it just it beats everything. If I if I can have for the rest of my life one body and lens, it would be that setup: this A seven R three and the 85 G Master.
0: That speaks volumes. All right. Well, we're going to at least link to um, those gear items in our show notes. (laughs) So for those of you listening who aren't familiar with them, make sure you go check out. Uh, those resources. Let's uh, yet again kind of shift modes or directions here in our conversation and move into our topic for today, which centers around, well, a couple of big ideas. One is learning and then the other is leadership. Um, They certainly go hand in hand, but I think that good learning comes from genuine curiosity. This is actually something that I was reminded of by an old friend of mine, uh, I was talking about the difficulty that I was having remembering information that I was taking in. And she she pointed out, if you're, if you're actually interested in it, if you really enjoy it, it's going to be a lot less difficult to actually remember something than when you mm. feel like you're forced to take in information, right? So yeah. I think that genuine curiosity that drives learning makes all the difference in the world and, and the way that we grow in our, certainly our knowledge, but then ideally in our intelligence as well, the, the, our ability to be able to connect pieces of information that we're taking in. What what topics are you most curious about? Maybe when it, especially when it comes to photography and business, what are those things that you find yourself exploring the most?
1: So I think right now there's two endeavors that I'm really focusing on. One is skin tones. I I just, it it irks me. It like makes my skin crawl (laughs) when I see a picture and it's like, it's a great picture, but the green and all the greenery and trees have bled into the skin tones and people are green.
0: (laughs) Dare we say too that a a lot of the presets you're talking about that, that the popularity of the film look for the last really number of years, but um, some of those presets, it's amazing the amount of green tint that those presets lend to an image and, and photographers just seem to be okay with that right now.
1: I know, and I think that's why I don't like a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, but you know if that's you, that's you. That's fine. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, to each his own for
0: sure. But it's just an interesting thing to see. I mean, especially having been in the industry now for close to 20 years myself, like see the, the trends, what comes and goes, what, what is popular mm-hmm. and then isn't anymore. Totally. And I also experience too, the just personally as a, a photography business owner, use kind of following some of these fads. And then in a very short period of time, looking back and saying, like, what in the world was I doing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Because at the end of the day, like you said, you want to be able to look back at those images and, and they they do stand the test of time and uh, green skin tones, maybe not the best idea, but I, I, right. I, I don't mean to get us too far off topic. So you, you said you're obsessed with skin tones and, and trying to figure out ultimately how to what to, to make to render your images with more accurate skin tones or what is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. To to get better skin tones, to get the best skin tones. I think I do a pretty decent job of it. But along along that line, I'll I'll take you know photos from other photographers where I like their skin tones. I like what they do. I'll take a screenshot of that, and then I'll just pull out my computer and take a photo and try to match those skin tones. You know, not to copy them, but so I develop my skill a bit more. And so, yeah, there's. I think that is going to be a. Everlong pursuit that i <laughs> i keep going it's going to be the one thing that i will always keep doing is trying to get better looking skin tones
0: huh that's interesting um, what, what about what about something on kind of a bigger picture level when it comes to running a photography business what are you most curious about
1: yeah so when it comes to running a photography business one thing i'm, I'm learning to do is is really to i guess manage manage it
0: ah yeah that's a huge topic <laughs>
1: yeah and uh, taking the photos and doing all that creative side of you know it kind of comes a little more naturally and being more of a creative person learning how to be more disciplined how to you know maybe not be the perfectionist (laughs) that i want to be um and and manage my business better um and a lot of the a lot of that management side of things comes down to right now for me is uh some marketing developing my website uh getting it you know, where I want it to be, where it needs to be budgeting time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's management. And that's one, one endeavor that I'm in.
0: And, and yet again, we've hit on another topic that could be really multiple episodes um, in, in the making, because this is a really loaded topic, but I find it interesting. And it's not something that I, I realized until kind of much later in my entrepreneurial career, which is that we as, as photographers I mean even when it comes down to you mentioned photographers edit earlier and for those listening in who aren't familiar with with photographers edit it's a company that I started a number of years ago about a decade ago actually that offers oh. editing services to professional wedding uh, or really event photographers and portrait photographers and you know, one of the one of the difficult things when it comes to delegating or outsourcing editing work to another company is the process of communication and what yeah. what I realized I finally made this connection a little while back which was the idea of learning how to communicate or delegate ultimately uh, something is, is a skill that's required by a manager. And so it really is important to look at, and not just for the sake of learning how to be a better communicator and ultimately delegator um, to free up time in your life as a business owner, but ultimately to look at yourself as a, as a manager um, and to treat your business as such, rather than treating yourself as an employee, and I think this may even be something yeah. that was spoken to in a book that I've mentioned on the podcast before called The E-Myth Revisited. And it, this book focuses on how to build a scalable business. You can't effectively mm. grow and, and ultimately scale your business if you're treating your, yourself like an employee instead of a manager, somebody looking from the top yeah. down. Uh, versus just kind of being stuck in the, the, the day-to-day, you know, constantly reacting to whatever may be coming your way. That, that's more <laughs> the mentality of an employee. It's really, truly important to, to be outside of that and to function as a manager. And it's a loaded topic, and you know, we're barely even going to scratch the surface of the idea. But I do recommend that book, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But yeah, what were you going to say, Morgan?
1: Yeah. Well, oh, I was just going to say it's a you know, help some people. One resource as far as managing that I've, I've come across that has been wildly helpful is, is a skillshare. Um, I think it's like a hundred bucks a year or something like that, but they have, you know, an array of topics, but I'll get on there and while I'm editing photos or something, I'll throw on videos on accounting, on management, on scheduling and all these things. And they'll have loads of courses that you can just, you just watch videos and they have, you know, do their courses and they have homework assignments and stuff. But that's been very helpful as far as the managing endeavor and, and learning how to manage my business better.
0: Well, and, and it's important to note here too. I mean, it's it's really good for a business owner, an entrepreneur, to be uh, aware of at least the basics of the the various topics associated with or the requirements associated with running a business. I think yeah. that is really, really important where I would personally draw the line. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, but there's a certain point at which me trying to, to know all the information about all the topics ultimately <laughs> is detrimental to my effort to reach my personal kind of long-term goals because it's going to force me to get stuck in the weeds. Right. So having a basic right. understanding of those elements of, of, your business the numbers certainly uh even i mean as a an editing company owner i would still recommend to (laughs) photographers be aware of how to use that software because um, whether it's knowing how to get the images back from an editing company and then and then push those into your workflow or out to your clients or um, how to quickly edit a few images if you have to do that in the moment Having a basic knowledge of of that software and how to go about that process is still important. It's good to have a a surface-level knowledge of of many things, uh, but it's also important then, again, speaking to the idea of of being a manager, to also then delegate. So whether it's accounting or album design or editing or so many of these elements of our business, there are resources available, especially in 2018, that we can take advantage of that will help us more effectively manage our company. We don't have to do it all ourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's huge. You know, you, if, if you're like me and it's pretty much just you or a couple people you may hire, you, you could be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Right. You know? And so being able to have something like photographers edit and send, sending that off is, is, is a great help. But there's, I think as far as, is to, to be a little more tangible with the management side of things, you have to, you have to prioritize what you want to learn what you want to do. And what I do for that is I'll pick one thing, like, let's, let's say, um, we'll go on the topic of accounting. Um, Okay, so let me learn a bit more about what it means to be an accountant, and I need to learn QuickBooks. Okay, so let me take QuickBooks. And this is the one thing I'm going to focus on with this. I'm not going to get into the other stuff, because I want QuickBooks to become muscle memory, before I move on to something else. And then, Kind of letting that develop, you know, and it's, it's for me, it's been helpful.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, again, there's, there's a quite a significance to awareness around these topics. Uh, this is something that I've talked about before in the podcast, but I, especially when it came to the books and the numbers and managing my finances as a business owner proactively, and, and for that matter, personally, uh, especially as a young photographer, I, I would just, I would kind of stick my, my head in the sand <laughs> right. rather, rather than being proactive and developing a certain amount of knowledge around the topic and then, and then ultimately taking advantage of course of the resources that are out there that would help me i.e. an accountant or CPA Yeah, and um, it's important that we, we do that same thing as well but you mentioned Skillshare as a resource talk to us a little bit about the, the educational resources when we're, we're talking about this idea of learning as a photographer learning as a business owner it's so important that we do yeah. continue to grow uh, what are some of the additional resources that you found are most beneficial for your growth uh around photography and business
1: podcasts (laughs) podcasts are are huge that's that's a huge resource it it helps me stay inspired yeah looking looking at other photographers just i'll go out and i'll seattle wedding photographer fashion photographer and, and not being limited to just wedding inspiration but gathering inspiration from all these you know different areas taking them down and pursuing it and you know, how can I incorporate this? What why am I inspired by this picture? Why am I inspired by this color palette? What do I like about this thing right here? And then figuring that out and learning how I can apply it.
0: Yeah, and, and before know? before we actually started recording, you'd you'd actually mention a couple of other resources too. We were talking about this the simple practicality of taking advantage of resources like YouTube. You'd mention Uh, that 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 had made a big difference for you. Uh, I mean, even Google, it may seem like an obvious thing. But I've, I've been kind of interested over the years, seeing questions posted on a Facebook group or otherwise, about information that is readily available. If if somebody is willing to just go to Google and do a quick search, or go to YouTube and do a quick search. We have incredible resources available to us right now. Um, That enable us to be able to to tackle pretty much any problem relatively easily if we're just willing to make the effort, the kind of the proactive effort to do just that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and Skillshare was one of those things. You know, you dove into it and just started looking. Google, YouTube. I mean, there's been countless times where I'm I'm wondering, hey, how does how how do I use Kelvin? (laughs) Yeah. How do I best use that? What 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 are the different temperatures? What does that mean? Why does it? you know, work that way. And I'll go to YouTube and listen to someone talk about it. And then I'll find another video and listen to someone else talk about it. And then I'll go and try it and apply it. Sometimes I'll, you know, reach out to a friend, you know, I'll talk to Mike or talk to Trevor or, or someone else and uh, Trevor Honey. And I'll, you know, say, Hey, how, how does this work? How do you do this? What, you know, I saw you did this. That's really cool. What was your inspiration for that? And then just grow with that, learn with that. Even reaching out to people who maybe you don't know or have a relationship with. Like uh, one guy, Nick Onkin, when I became a photographer, just came across him and started following him. He had a blog shop talk where he'd post things all the time, just how to run your photography business. And he has a podcast out now called Neon Radio. And I listen to it all the time and just draw inspiration from that and learn. And it's really great. And there's actually, uh, he's... He's a Washington native. He lives out in New York now, I believe. But there was one time I was just driving in Bellevue in Washington, and I see Nick Onkin just walking down the road. And I'm at a stop sign like, Nick? Nick Onkin? And he's like, hey. (laughs) it's like, I'm a wedding photographer. I've drawn a lot of inspiration from you. I think what you do is amazing. Can I buy you coffee sometime? And he's like, yeah, um, I'm out here for a week. Email me. And so I emailed him, we sat down with he and his dad and just picked his brain, heard what he's up to lately. And it was, it was awesome. But just, you know, it's, it's okay to reach out to someone. And I think that could be some of the most insightful stuff. You know, you, you'll learn a lot, but you can also develop a good relationship that can actually help you or them even more. You know, But don't be afraid to just <laughs> call someone up or reach out to them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's these conversations can easily start virtually online through text whatever the case may be but I can't say enough about the significance of actually making the effort to get together with with people in person you know yeah. to to get whether it's coffee or meet for lunch or do brunch or right. do do drinks or dinner or whatever it might be but make the effort to to get off your butt and get out from behind the computer and go yeah. actually connect with people in person there is there's nothing to replace it there no question i mean the benefit for example back in the day as a photographer as an active photographer one of my favorite resources uh, for learning was a forum an online forum that i was a part of yeah. that was that ended up turning into this massive massive forum thousands of photographers <laughs> but Obviously, that was very virtual in nature. We had the opportunity, myself and my business partner at the time had the opportunity to be able to develop relationships virtually, which were then carried over into in-person interactions at get-togethers in various parts of the country, and the relationships that came out of that were really incredible, but they didn't stop at the computer. They yeah. turned into in-person get-togethers, whether, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting, like you can, you'll hear or read photographers complaining about making a drive across town, for example, to, to get together with, like, they, they're not willing to make that effort. But these photographers were literally trave- traveling cross-country in order to connect <laughs> with these photographers. We even had one of the get-togethers for the OSP, the Open Source Photo Forum, here in Chattanooga people flew into Chattanooga traveled to Chattanooga and, and made the effort to connect with their friends in person. Yeah. There's, there's not enough that could be said about that. And, um, and, and again, the benefit, the value that comes from those types of interactions as a business owner, um, just absolutely amazing. I certainly benefited from it and I know others will as well. Um, that, that idea, (laughs) that community over competition idea, it's not just a saying, you know, that, that the rising tide society came up with it's, it has legitimate value. And for those it listening does. in, you got to take advantage of it.
1: It does. And I think that I I think that's huge, you know, community over competition. I think competition is good and healthy and that's great. But if if your goal in life is to win, if your goal in life is, you know, to be the best, uh, I don't, you know, it's in in anything. I mean, to be the best you have to put someone else down. Now, there's good healthy competition, that's totally fine, but if, if you are doing that in life, you're never going to have community. And, and community, I think, is almost the opposite of that. Community is other people helping you be better or you helping other people be better, which I think as far as you know, leadership goes, if you want to help someone, help them be better at what they're doing or be a leader, I think that's a very important thing yeah I was gonna to say is, this is
0: a kind of a perfect segue into to the uh, this topic of leadership. We were talking yeah. about the idea of learning and then ultimately how that fuels leadership. I mean so much of leadership I, I I don't know i I think like when I hear the word leadership, one of the the pictures that comes to mind automatically for whatever reason, maybe it's just my my past experience is this person like standing up on a stage kind of shouting out or or yelling out or even just speaking right. out to me. As as this icon, you know, this almost unreachable yeah. individual who is leading, yeah, and that's really not the case. I mean, you, you very um, accurately pointed out that a lot of leadership is just simply helping others, yeah. taking looking for opportunities to be able to lead others, and that could be in something as simple as how do you you know set up your camera uh, to use it more effectively. Yeah. Where does your desire to lead or to help others come from?
1: I think we all have certain qualities of our character that just are natural within us, and I, I would say my main one is is service, is is being a servant. And I think if you can be a good se- servant, then you can be a better leader. One one thing with with leadership that I always strive for is to not lead someone to be almost as good as me. <laughs> I feel like that's not you know that's counter counterintuitive. It, it defeats the purpose of leading someone. Hmm. I I want to lead someone to do better things than I have to be a better person than I am to have a better marriage than I have. And I have a great marriage. I love my wife, but if I can help someone have a better marriage than me, I'm all in. If I could help someone be a better photographer than me, count me in. I, I, I want to be there and I want to do that. And I think that's, if, if you have that mindset with a leader, the rest is going to fall in place and it's going to work out because your pursuit isn't you, your pursuit is them. And I guess that brings us to my, you know, what a leader is kind of the, you know, you asked me that question earlier and it was, you know, what are a couple things that make a leader and, and it would be humility and drive for me. There's a million different things that you can say a leader needs to have, but I think two important things is humility and drive. Humility because you need to build others up. And that's that's, that's the purpose of leaders to build them up to do better and greater things than you and drive because you can't be a good leader. If if you're not pursuing that, if you're not actively going out and leading, so I would say that that's that's huge.
0: Yeah, both of those are huge. And and by the way, I, I love the way that you describe this this notion of leadership being focused on helping others do better than you. I'm not sure that I've quite heard anyone uh, describe it that way before. I think it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful picture, and it's something that. Um, In in some form or fashion, we should all strive for as just human beings. Forget the fact that we're entrepreneurs, photography, business owners. As human beings, we really should take our experiences and in some form or fashion be able to pour what we've learned from those experiences into others for the sake of them having a better life. I mean, so much of my job as a parent, I think centers around that very notion. Yeah. And it's been a really fascinating experience and enjoyable experience ultimately to be able to do that for the sake of my kids. You talked about (laughs) drive, uh, to do this very thing. But when I think about drive too, I think about the drive to learn. And again, tying this back to the notion of learning and growing one of my values, one of the ways that I feel best as a human being is when I grow. And so I think a drive to learn uh, also is really important to this conversation around leadership, because if we have a drive to learn, if we're naturally curious, like we were talking about earlier, we're curious to learn, we grow as a result it um, will experience the benefits of that growth. We're going to be that much more passionate to help others have that same feeling, that same experience, yeah. which again is innate to this idea as you're describing about being an effective leader.
1: The two go hand in hand. Absolutely. Learning and leadership.
0: And, and what would you say then would be, I mean, again, to make it even more tangible for our listeners, <laughs> how does, I, I think I would assume anyway that most photography business owners, um, including many of our listeners, wouldn't naturally think about the idea of being a leader. I mean, so many photographers, in fact, will say, I'm, I'm just an introvert. So the idea of being a leader isn't something that just automatically comes to mind as a photography business owner that they would think being a leader would enable them to be a better photography right. business owner. It's just not something they need to be concerned about. Would you agree yeah. with that? And, and and if being a leader can help them, how will it help them?
1: Well, I think there's a, there's a couple things there. First of all, I, I don't think it matters if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It, it may matter to the extent of how many people you lead at once. But even if you're an introvert, you still have some relationships. You still have you know one or two people that you can help, that you can help lead. And you know, it takes persistence and sometimes you got to psych yourself up about it. <laughs> but I don't think it should matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. i'm I'm very, very much an extrovert. so it comes a little more naturally for me. But on the other hand, learning helps, helps you lead. But in the same sense, as you lead, you learn. There's been so many people who, you know, you can hear and say, yeah, I've I've learned more being a teacher than I have being a student, or I've learned more leading someone than I have, you know, following someone. So I think it's, it's, it's important, you know, and if you want to learn more, if you want to grow, help people out. Learn and then you in turn will learn from that or lead and you in turn will learn from that. And I think that's, that's huge. But I mean, if there's one thing I could say about this is just do it, just go out and do it. Don't wait for doors to open, look for them to close. Um, Just keep going forward. And if a door closes, you know, it closes, maybe you need to open it. It's a door. You can open a closed door. Um, But, but be proactive about it and pursue it.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's a great note to end on. We, we've hit some really, really big principles and ideas today that really kind of deserve their own individual podcast episodes, <laughs> at least one. But it's, it's good that we're closing on yet another important idea, which is the significance yeah. of just doing. Because there is a tendency, and, and again, I'm, I'm guilty of it uh, multiple times over, of holding back, of not doing something for fear of it not being just right or just perfect, or what if I screw right. up, or what if this goes wrong, or what if this happens, what if that happens? And as a result, we miss out on so many incredible opportunities that could have come from just moving, just doing. And yeah, Yeah. you may have to correct course. Yeah, you may have to make adjustments. Maybe Mm -hmm. it doesn't come out perfect the first time or the second time or the third time, whatever it may be. But in that process, you learn, and then, as we're talking about, you have the opportunity to, to lead, and I'm glad that you used the word help there at the end, because really what we're talking about largely with, with leadership is the notion of helping others. We learn from experience, we're yeah. able to share that with others, they benefit as a result, and we're all, we're all just better for it. And, and so do, but then take advantage of those opportunities and learning from doing to help others let them in on what you've learned from those experiences and not only will they grow and learn and ultimately be better for it, but you will as well. This has been, this has ultimately been a really powerful conversation, Morgan. And, and I, again, we've, we've touched on multiple topics that that deserve (laughs) to be uh, dove into for more than just an hour, but for the time being, I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find you online. They can follow what you're doing. And maybe if they have follow-up questions or conversation, they can reach out to you as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. My website is themorgantaylor.com and that's T-H-E, morgantaylor.com. You can email me there if you have questions. I I think my phone number's on there. Feel free to send me a text. Uh, If you call, I may not answer. Uh, I may let it go to voicemail. But feel free to send me a text if you have questions. Um, And then I think I am most active on Instagram, which is at themorgantaylor. Again, that's T-H-E, morgantaylor. Um, Yeah, feel free to DM me. follow me and let's talk
0: perfect we will we will link to uh those resources in our show notes as well Uh, again just very simply themorgantaylor.com and at the morgan taylor t-h-e-m-o-r-g-a-n-t-a-y-l-o-r and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes thanks again so much morgan for making time to share with the boca podcast today
1: nathan thanks for having me it was so much fun